0: What's up, guys? Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading this week's radio show. We flip it in the podcast form. Appreciate that. And please do leave us a rating, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And of course, I will send you that free Heartland College Sports koozie if you rate and review the podcast. And send me a screenshot of the rating and the review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you soon. Keep it rolling on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and let's welcome in a guy who many of you uh, diehard college football fans are very familiar with. He is Braden Gall. The cover two podcast, Athlon Sports, is fantastic. Also on 102.5 The Game down in Nashville, and also part of SiriusXM's College Sports Channel. Braden, appreciate a few minutes. And and where I want to begin, since we focus here heavily on the Big 12 Conference, is kind of get your, your national perspective on on this conference and whether or not you believe its credibility has improved over the past couple of years when you look at things like, you know, Oklahoma making a couple of playoffs, two Heisman trophies, now some success translating to the NFL with Patrick Mahomes. Has the Big 12 raised its standard in the Power 5 hierarchy in your mind?
1: Um, it's, a, it's an interesting question because I think it's sort of how you frame it. Um, and you frame it with a lot of really positive, really good things. Mm-hmm. That, that the league can sort of, you know, hang its hat on, um, not any of which, of course, are championships and not and national championships and, and really truly competing for national championships. I mean, let's be honest. Kyler Murray had a great second half against Alabama. Were they ever really in that game? Baker Mayfield's playoff performance the first time into the playoff against Clemson was pretty much a blowout. And um, obviously they gave Georgia a good run and came up short. Frankly, the offense was completely controlled in the second half. Of that Georgia game, so when it comes to national titles, the answer is still very much no. They haven't had defensive players that were worthy of national championship sort of teams since probably the the '08 Oklahoma team and the 09 Texas team, um, the old the Gerald McCoy teams where they had legit NFL players, I think a those type of guys. So I, I think that's still a concern. Now I, the problem, or not the problem, the good news is I'm not sure I really truly define. There's lots of different ways to define. Overall respect um, by just those types of things. I think the individual awards is critical. I think the amount you pay your coaches is indicative of that. How good your coaches are. I think mm-hmm. you know West Virginia goes and hires Neil Brown. I think it's a really good hire. I think Chris Kleeman at Kansas State's a really good hire. Tom Tom Herman is starting to get Texas back moving again uh, a little bit. You've got Gundy. You've got Patterson. Matt Rule has done a good job at Baylor. So having great coaches, I think, is number one. Would be on my list. Mm-hmm. And number two, financially, the league is very stable. They're making as much money as anybody else, um, especially when, when just a couple of years ago we were concerned about the future of the league. And right now it looks, especially if we go to an expanded playoff with automatic bids, if I'm Texas and Oklahoma, I want access to that automatic bid. I want to keep the Big 12 together for that purpose. So I think the league is more stable financially, and that is really way more critical than, you know, hey, how many draft picks did you have? How good were you in recruiting? Or... Or, or winning Heisman trophies. While while all that other stuff is good, it's more important that you have a stable league with great coaches.
0: Gall, Gallathlon Sports joining us, and on that note, Braden, I mean, let's look at uh, some of the mid-level coaches. Obviously, Lincoln Riley got NFL attention, but when Matt Rule, who just barely became bull eligible, is is getting uh, you know potential offers from the New York Jets, and Cliff Kingsbury uh, gets fired after a sub 500 career and gets an NFL head coaching job, that that's, that looks pretty good on the conference, does it not?
1: Um, yes for Matt Rule, yes for Lincoln Riley, no for Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, because the reason I mean that first of all just bog, it boggles my mind. Yeah. Um I think he's I think he's riding the the Patrick Mahomes sort of wave.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: he's responsible for acquiring Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield on the same team and I think he gets credit for that. Um and, and you know, listen, I saw Patrick Mahomes throw the no look slant pass yeah. in practice as a freshman. So, it's like, it's not like that was something that Kingsbury taught him or that he learned from Andy Reid. Like, he was just that good always. And that's why Baker Mayfield didn't get the job back, right? I mean, that's why he transferred to Oklahoma. So, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, listen, everybody in Lubbock wanted, wanted Cliff Kingsbury to be successful. If you don't think that everybody wanted they, – they were going to go out of their way to give him as much leash as possible – because he's their guy. He's, he's their alumni. And if Texas Tech had to fire you, I'm sorry, if, if Texas Tech had to fire you, then it then probably isn't worthy. So I don't know if that's the bullet point I would use. <laughs> um, but I, I, do, I do sort of generally agree with the general point, which mm-hmm. is that I think Matt Rule is a really stabilizing – he's a really good, just old-school, good, hard-nosed coach that has stabilized the program. That And, and the reason he's getting loved in the NFL – He's a northeastern guy, right? And so people in the Northeast know all about him. That's an NFL area of the country. They know more about those types of guys. And he took over what was a dumpster fire of a of a scandal ridden program, and has made them competitive very quickly. Even after basically losing every player of that recruiting class and having to rebuild the roster. So I I think you know Gary Patterson is Hall of Fame material. Um, You know, obviously Bill Snyder stepping away. uh, You know, I think is sort of a bittersweet thing because. It, it probably was the right time for him, but to appreciate how much value he brought to the Big 12 over the years obviously is, is, is pretty important. So um, is anybody ever going to be as good as him in Manhattan? Probably not. I do like the fit there with Clayman. I don't know anything about what Les Miles is going to do. For some reason, I think he'll, he'll get them to, to being slightly more competitive. Are they ever going to be Todd Reesing? you know, Desmond Briscoe good? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the '07 7 so teams. I, I think that's a little foolish, but I love Matt Campbell. I mean, I, I'm all over Matt Campbell. I think that dude is great, and they've done it, and what I love about Iowa State is they've gone out of their way to show how invested they are in trying to keep Matt Campbell, yeah. keep his assistants together, keep that program together. I think that's really impressive, the way Iowa State has invested in that. In that. So I you know, when Oklahoma's good and Texas is good, that's what you need first and foremost. Then you need great coaches at the, at the middle programs. You've got one at TCU. You've got one at Oklahoma State. You've got one at Iowa State. You know, I think Neil Brown's a really good hire. I, I, I was shocked that Neil Brown didn't get hired elsewhere before that. He's got a lot of country twang to him. He knows how to recruit the South. I think he fits really well at West Virginia. likes to run that offense as well. So I think it works with the personnel. Um, So I think West Virginia bounces back quicker than we thought. And Chris Wells, it's like Texas Tech went sort of anti-Texas Tech, right? (laughs) Like instead of hiring, you know, Dana Holgerson or Graham Harrell or the next best air raid guy, they went out and sort of just hired a good football coach, and I think that's, that's what Chris
0: Wells was. Yeah, no doubt about it. Braden Gall, Athlon Sports, also Sirius XM and 102.5 The Game in Nashville joining us. So, you know, Braden, you mentioned that, that the Big 12 really hasn't had those defensive stalwarts, those Gerald McCoys in, you know, 10 years. And a lot of that I think back to, and I just see the, the changing, you know, with conference realignment, and the SEC moving west with AM and and infiltrating traditional Big 12 territory, that seemed to hurt the conference a lot in getting some of those guys. How does the Big 12 get back to recruiting some of those top-tier defensive linemen, or is it just too hard because of the image of what the Big 12 is, which is an offense-first conference?
1: Yeah, that's a really complex answer to a really simple Problem. I mean, it's a huge problem, but it's a simple problem. You don't have the, the defensive players you need to win championships in the league. That's that's the bottom line. You, you just don't. You don't recruit the same level of guys on the defensive line, and, and in the SEC, um, you know the other schools outside of the SEC that play like the SEC, whether it's Clemson or Ohio State or whoever. Now it's starting to look like Oregon, and and Washington, and some of those Stanford, Utah, those programs are developing because they're they're changing their identity. Until that happens, you're not going to win national championships. I mean, you're just not. I mean, Oklahoma's defense this year was the worst unit that ever made it into the playoffs. So it's just not going to happen when you, when you can't cover a slant route 22 times a game, and that's all the offense for Alabama does is just run a slant route and you can't cover it. You're not going to win. and So it's a huge problem. I don't – the solution is far more complicated. I do agree with you that when Texas A&M joined the SEC – that the state of Texas broke up along I-35, and it became East Texas was one state, and it was SEC territory, and, and then I-35 West was Big 12 territory. So, number one, you got to get back to controlling the state. Tom Herman has done a little bit of that because he was so good at Houston to begin with that he brought that with him to, to Austin. Bob Stoops has done a really good job. Uh, Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma over the years have done a great job in, in Texas, but that has to continue to grow. I'm just not sure you're ever going to get, you know, West Virginia has got a five-star offensive lineman coming out of its own state, and they're not really mentioned much with Darnell Wright as, as, a, as a team that he wants to go play for. So mm-hmm. outside of, you know, playing some more games down in the, the SEC territory, like play those Chick-fil-A classics, play in Atlanta, play in Orlando, you know, try to capitalize on, on recruiting in those states, which is what I think is partly, partly why I like the Neil Brown hire a lot at West Virginia, his, his home recruiting base for the last five or six years has been the Panhandle in Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi. You've got to be able to go in those states to find defensive talent because that's where the defensive talent is. Urban Meyer did that at Ohio State. you got to, you know, Brian Kelly's trying to do that at Notre Dame. You've got to go into those areas to get defensive players, and until you do that, you're not going to win national titles because it's a line of scrimmage sport. Especially now, when you got to you got to win that extra game. Now it's not just a one-game situation.
0: Braden Galls joining us. Uh, Braden, you know we've been talking a lot about Big Twelve, SEC, and and whatnot, and what the Big Twelve maybe needs to do to get on that next tier as a conference. But you know, when you look at some of the the middle of the pack games, you're right that in terms of winning the national championship, you got to have that D line to get over the hump. But you know, in fairness, it's really been Alabama and Clemson, and and not many people have been in the conversation otherwise. If you look at, at these conferences and compare them, can you say? I don't know if you're somebody that gives attention or credibility to bowl games, but can you say, hey, the Big Twelve? It's it's gotten some good bowl wins here, whether it's Baylor against Vanderbilt, two middle of the pack teams, Texas and Georgia, or do you put no credibility to those because of motivation behind them?
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, if the SEC goes 12 and 0, I don't care. Uh, if the SEC goes 0 and 12, I don't care. I, I, I don't value bowl games. Um, as, as as meaning anything more than just a fun thing to celebrate it's very important that your team gets to a bowl game mm-hmm. gives you extra 20 plus days of practice time it gives you a, a, a trip that you can sell to your recruits it's a celebration for your players the players love it but don't don't tell me that they're called the same they're coached the same they're played the same all of that is different in bowl games than it is in real life The matchups are very you know they're not necessarily even and balanced on, on either side so I don't really care about that at mm-hmm. all. Um, And the the difference between the SEC and everybody else, and it's not just, oh, it's been Alabama. I mean, Georgia played in the national title game. Florida now has its baller coach in Dan Mullen. They won ten games this year. Texas A&M, with all due respect to the Big 12, finally has its guy, and he's going to be – there's a difference now in Texas A&M. There's a professional sort of physicality to that program. I'm not sure how much Coach O can do at LSU. The difference in between the SEC and every other conference – it, it since 1998, which is the VCS, which I realize is 20 years, but you look at 20 years, they've had five different teams win national titles and six different teams play in the national title game. No other league has more than two. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, the, that's the problem is that there's not the same level of depth. I mean, Auburn on any given year can win a national title. We've seen that. Georgia in any given year can win a national title. I mean, Florida, Tennessee, LSU, Alabama. These programs have all competed for and won national titles in the last 20 years. And Oregon's played in two, USC's won. Ohio State's really the only team in the Big Ten that's even competed for a national championship. Michigan had not done anything since 97. Mm -hmm. Penn State's been on the outskirts barely of a couple of different playoff opportunities. The ACC's been largely Florida State dominated for 15 years, and then now it's Clemson. I mean, the difference between every league and the Big 12 obviously had two teams make make it into the championship. And I, listen, I know Kansas State was was close in what was it, '98? Um, you know, I know that that um, Oklahoma State probably feels like it got robbed in in 2011. Um, but the bottom line is, is one league's had five or six different teams competing at that level, and no other league even has three. And and that's that's a that's not just a this year problem or a next year problem or three years or five years that is a permanent problem that every conference has where they don't have the same depth at the top over the over time that the SEC does and mostly that's because a the best players in America are from in the, from the southeast and those programs sometimes to a fault are willing to go to great lengths <laughs> to get those players to their campus um, and they and they pay their coaches more and the fans are crazier and you know e- Mississippi State's the seventh best job in the SEC West it is the toughest job in the SEC West and they will have 55,000 people in one of the loudest environments you will ever go to in your life. And that, that's the difference. It's the yeah. depth in the SEC that It's different than any other league.
0: Braden Gall, Athlon Sports, is our uh, guest. So earlier we were touching on the fact that, you know, if playoff expansion happens, automatic bids, how does that benefit like a Texas-Oklahoma wanting to have that conference that you basically own and operate and not having to compete in a Big Ten West or an SEC West or something like that. Uh, is that something you think might be closer than we want to give it credit for? Are we on the verge of that, Braden? if you're looking at it from afar here?
1: Uh, I think number one, um, it's going to take a long time. I, listen, I'm, I personally am anti-expansion. I, I value excellence over access. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't like the the fact that every league gets its feelings. Like I like the fact that every league gets its feelings hurt when they get left out. Like I think that's <laughs> yep. a good thing. I make. I think that makes the regular season so much more valuable and interesting. So I don't like the fact that you could lose four games and still get to your conference title game and have an automatic chance to make the playoff. I just don't like that personally. But that is the direction we're going. And if we're going to do that, what you've got to do then is you've got to value that automatic bid as best you can. And right now the Big 12 has got the best model. They're going to put the best two teams into the conference championship game so that the best team coming out of there has the best chance to either A, get into the playoff, or B, win games in the playoff. I, you can't have Northwestern and Pittsburgh and, you know, all these four, five, six lost teams or whatever. You can't have those teams competing for automatic bids. So You've got to put the value on that. Um, I think common logic has always said that if there was an automatic bid to a playoff, it would make sense for Texas and Oklahoma to want to keep the Big 12 together, sign the grant of rights extension, mm-hmm. and keep the Big 12 together because then that allows them a path to the playoff that is probably easier to go through than, like you said, if Oklahoma joins the Big Ten or if Texas joins the Big Ten or whatever. It, it's, it's still, on the whole, it's Texas and Oklahoma's world. Everyone else is still kind of living in it. So, mm-hmm. um, To me, that, that seems like a way to, quote-unquote, save the league, but financially right now it's doing very well. Um, It's better off per per school, per dollar figure than um, a couple of other conferences. No one's going to ever catch the Big Ten or the SEC, but it's right there at number three right now. Um, So, you know, I I think there's a lot of value to an automatic bid when that happens, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. Fans need to be patient. um, And and I think what they're going to do is they're going to clear some some obstacles in the road uh, to get to that playoff. Expansion. So, if that means um, you know changing the language in the committee room to make it uh, value the the value the conference title, if it's um, getting rid of divisions, if it's unifying scheduling across all conferences, everybody plays nine games, nobody plays FCS opponents in November, you know that kind of thing. I think they're going to do a lot of that stuff tinkering over the next few years, and then in 2026 when the contract runs out, you'll see it expand to six or eight, and they'll figure out the best way to. Make that work.
0: Well, very interesting stuff. And uh sharp guy, always enjoy his work with the Athlon Sports Podcast, also Sirius XM, 1025, the game in Nashville. Braden Gall, Braden, thanks so much for a few minutes, man. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, dude. Loved it.
0: Great insight there from Braden Gall. Thanks so much to him. And once again, please rate, review, subscribe, and then send me an email of the screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo. M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will get you that free koozie in the mail. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon.